Hi, I'm Troy Richards. And I'm Daniel Mawson. Welcome to the Understanding Jesus podcast. I'm the senior pastor at First Baptist Church in Jackson, Missouri, and Daniel's our worship pastor. Our church is reading through the Bible in a year, and on this podcast, we examine highlights from this week's reading. We talk about the passages devotionally and try to answer questions people have shared with us. Our hope is that you'll discover how amazing God's Word is and how enjoyable it is to read for yourself, which is the key to understanding Jesus. Well, welcome to the Understanding Jesus podcast. It's me, Pastor Troy, and and Josh, and Josh, da 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 da, <laughs> and uh, and we uh, are without Daniel today. It's just not the same without Daniel. But Daniel is uh, a little under the weather while we're recording the podcast, and so uh, hopefully by the time the podcast is airing, he's back up and at it and feeling much better. But um, out of a grace to each of us, he decided he didn't want to be in close proximity and spread his germs to us. So we're kind of Thankfully. grateful for that. So so anyway, uh, today we've got an amazing podcast. We are we are starting the Gospel of Luke and uh, and we I love the Gospel of Luke. You mentioned yes. that too, that you like that as well. It's my favorite gospel. Um, well, there you go. Favorite <laughs> gospel. And uh, the, the Jesus film is based on the Gospel of Luke, which is kind of cool. We're also in uh, several chapters in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy, I think, chapter 4 through 16 or something like that. And then Psalm 37 and 38. So uh, so we've got, uh, at the end of 36, so we've got uh, some cool things to talk about. And we will share with you what we have learned devotionally from our Bible reading when we return. Welcome back, and we are looking at uh, some things devotionally as we had gone through the reading together, and uh, and the I'm going to start with uh, in Deuteronomy chapter eight. In Deuteronomy chapter eight, uh, Moses is speaking to the people, and he says he humbled you by letting you go hungry, then he gave you manna to eat, which you and your fathers had not known, so that you might learn that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out and your feet did not swell these 40 years. Keep in mind that the Lord your God has been disciplining you just as a man disciplines his son. So keep the commands of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a land, a land with streams, springs, and deep water sources flowing in both valleys and hills, a land of wheat, barley, vines, figs, and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land where you will eat food without shortage, where you will lack nothing, a land whose rocks are iron and from whose hills you will mine copper. When you eat and are full, you will bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. So, you know, sometimes uh, the... There's are times when he lets us suffer. Uh, you know, he says he humbled you by letting you go hungry. You know, and you think about that—that that God, we think of God as not letting us go hungry mm-hmm. because He's a good and gracious God, but He let them go hungry so that they could realize their need for food, and then trying to see where they would turn to for that source of food. And uh, and so when and when they turn to God for help, then He. Um, he gives it to him. So he pulls back his blessing to reveal that we are trusting in ourselves 
or we're trusting in idols, or we've turned to false gods, uh, rather than turning to his rich mercy. And our and, and our sustenance is not in the physical, but in the spiritual. In fact, Jesus uses this passage uh, to share with uh, his disciples that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes mm-hmm. from the mouth of the Lord. Yeah. Jesus quotes that, and and he's he's bringing that point into play. That uh, you know we look in terms of where am I going to get food and how am I going to provide for myself. Um, and and here's the thing that I I saw in this that God is spirit. And it is his spirit that brings the physical into being through his word. His word produces bread, not the other way around. If mm-hmm. we seek his kingdom and his righteousness, our bread will be supplied. Wow. We, we forget that God speaks things into existence, that God makes things happen. And so it's not that we have to go make bread and then ask God to bless the bread. And, and, and we're basically saying, uh, well, I got, I got the bread myself, but I'm thankful that God gave me the ability to make the bread. Now, the way it works is, is that God is the one, we have to recognize that God is the one supplying the bread. Right. Uh, through, and he may, he may give you the physical ability and the crops and so forth to raise the bread and do it or whatever, or he may give it to you, or it could just fall out of the sky. Mm-hmm. And uh, whatever the case, it comes from God. Bread cannot be produced apart from God's sustaining hand. And mm-hmm. he, his Holy Spirit, is the one sustaining that, guiding that. So we think of the we think it's a physical issue, but it really is a spiritual issue. That's a really good. I've never thought about it like that. That's yeah. cool. Well, cool. Awesome. Well, I'm in Psalm 37. Um, super simple. Well, it's a long passage, but what I'm sharing, this verse is super simple. Um, but as you dig deeper into it, as you think about it more, you realize that it's not as simple as you think, um, but it's a lot deeper uh, than we know. So it's Psalm 37, verse 4, and it says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Hmm. Well, this is a very good coffee mug verse, you know, <laughs> something <laughs> that people would, would just love to say. If, you know, if you love God, then he'll give you exactly what you want. Right. Um and that's kind of a shallow way to look at that verse. <laughs> yeah. But the the order of this verse is so important. It says, delight yourself in the Lord, comma, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And I think that that's really important, delighting yourself in the Lord, um, enjoying him, enjoying his word, enjoying time with him, enjoying just sitting his, at his feet, being still, loving God, Um as you delight yourself in the Lord, your desires begin to change. Your desires begin to be like what God's are. And so you desire the same things that God does. Um, and so you want what he wants. Um, and so then when your desires, when they come to fruition, you realize, oh, God has given me his desires and now he's given me fruit to see that. And I, I mean, I've seen that in my life with ministry um, and desiring to disciple youth, share the gospel with youth mm-hmm. and wanting them to come to know the Lord and being able to watch that happen has been a blessing. Um, and it, you know, I have a desire to have a new car or to move out of my parents' house or whatever, but that's not what the Lord wants for me. Um, and he's given me much more fruit in this aspect of my life of something that he desires as well right. and has brought me so much more joy, so much more, um, fulfillment in, in all these things. So yeah, it was just super simple, but man, it's really important to realize that delighting the Lord will change your desires. And then those desires, the Lord also wants to happen. Um, right. And so so he fulfills them. I think that's really important. And once you have that, we shared that example Sunday about um, the Blackaby shares and experiencing God about how he had bought a bicycle for his, his uh, daughter and put it in the garage. 
and then he, in his, through his relationship with his daughter, created the desire in her mm-hmm. to uh, to want that bicycle, right. which had always been in the garage. And and he explains that that is, and he and he uses this uh, this verse also to 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 bring to make the same point. Yeah. And that God is in our relationship with Him as we delight in the relationship with Him naturally created within us our desires that he is ready to fulfill. Right, right. He has always been wanting to give those things to us, but it's as we relate to him, we begin to want these things, and he already has them for Mm -hmm. us. And so uh, it's not that what he had to... He's not looking at us and saying, uh, what do you want? Right. He's looking at us and saying... I'm going to change what you want. Yeah, exactly. And uh, as you yeah. and I already have that in store for you. Yeah. I already have. I've had it from the foundations of time. Mm-hmm. But by, by us simply <clears throat> walking together, you're going to begin to want that which I already have ready for you. It, it, it seems like that. I know in in in, a, in my child mind, uh, it seems like that's not any good. Right. It's like I don't want you to change what I want. I right. Want, I, want I want what I want. Yeah. I want what yeah. I want. But as you get older, you realize no, it, it's all the same. Yeah. I I didn't realize. I, I was afraid of that. I think when I was younger, I was yeah. afraid I don't want my desires to change. Yeah. Because I I want to want what I want. You know. And it's like I'm afraid that he's going to make me. You know. Well, <laughs> I'll give you an example. <laughs> that uh, I had this guy who owned a Corvette and he was in his fifties mm-hmm. and I was in my teens. Right. Uh, and I was like, uh, and he was showing, and he'd had this, this Corvette, which I really wanted a Corvette, but I was like, if I had to wait till I'm 50 to get it, I said, I don't, <laughs> what, what good is a 50 year old man driving a Corvette? I, I have a little bit change of perspective on that right now. But, uh, but I was, you know, I was thinking I, you know, I, I, I'm not gonna, will that go away? Will mm-hmm. that desire go away? And I, and I don't want to lose it. I want to, I want to keep it, uh, when I, you know, and and even when we go to heaven, we talk about going to heaven. It's like, I'm afraid, I was afraid that I'm going to get to heaven and it's like, I may not like heaven mm-hmm. because of the things I want right now aren't right. going to be in heaven. Right, it's right. A very teenage thought process. Yeah, yeah. And and I was like, so I don't, but I don't want to, I don't want to become this mind numbed robot right. where I lose this. But you realize that it's like your taste change when you get older. It's like I never wanted there to be a world in which mm-hmm. I liked broccoli. Right. That that, that can't I hate be a, broccoli. I know exactly, <laughs> exactly. I hated broccoli. Right. But I'm gonna tell you, I I like broccoli now, mm-hmm. and and I thought, and it and it's not so bad. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, older me looks back at younger me and go, eh, it's, it's all right. Yeah, I mean, it's because we're we're so convinced that we know what's good and what's evil yeah. from that tree of knowledge of good and evil that we eat from, and God's like, no, I know what's good and what's evil. And so, as you get to know me, you get to know what really yeah. is good and what really is evil, which is the point of the Lord's prayer. Right. Hallowed be thy name. Your name be glory. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done, not ours. Right. Uh, and not our kingdom. Them. We and can, it's beautiful. but we connect our desires with with our identity, mm-hmm. and and say, well, to change Ooh, my yeah. desires to change who I am, and yeah. and and really, th- there's some truth in that. But my identity needs to change. Mm-hmm. I realize yeah. that by having the identity I had with the desires I had, I can't spend eternity with Christ. Right. I can't. I would. I, I want to be king in my own universe, right, right. And which lead, is a pathway to death. I'm. I'm more identified with Satan actually than I was with wow. Jesus. And so. So yeah. It, it, it. Yes. It does. My identity is changing. It's. I'm changing into the identity. That Christ wants me to have, and with my identity changing, so do my desires. And that identity is good. Like yeah, it Jesus, is good. Jesus calls it good. Yeah. I mean, and and that's and, and, and perfect. We will yeah. be perfect, yeah. and that's that's good. <laughs> you know, yeah, so. and, and it's a grace given because to say, well, I don't want that identity, it, uh, is to choose death. Right. You know, so.
Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's an awesome passage. Oh, that's my turn. Yeah. <laughs> that's back to me. Oh, uh, my other passage is from uh, Luke chapter <clears throat> one. And uh, moving over to the New Testament, mm-hmm. uh, Luke begins the gospel uh, by kind of explaining who he's, why he's writing it. And uh, I, I love the beginning of Luke, and and uh, and it kind of feeds into the Luke. If you don't know, Luke wrote both the Gospel of Luke and the Book of Acts. Uh, he was an historian. So um, so anyway. He starts with verse 1. Many have undertaken to compile a narrative about the events that have been fulfilled among us, just as the original eyewitnesses and servants of the word handed them down to us. It also seemed good to me, since I have carefully investigated everything from the very first, to write to you in an orderly sequence, most honorable Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things about which you have been instructed. I remember the first time somebody told me that Luke was writing to a person named Theophilus. I thought, that's not in the Bible. I thought, there's nobody named Theophilus in the Bible. And then you go back and go, oh, wow, it's mm-hmm. right there. It's always right. been right there. But we kind of gloss, I always glossed over that right. when I was younger. But um, I, and one of the things I never really had paid attention to until I was going, doing this reading uh, this week was um, the, the word, the very first word, many, many have undertaken the fact that it wasn't that there were actually a lot of people who wrote a narrative about the events mm-hmm. about Jesus's life. I never had thought about yeah. that. You know, you just think, I, I guess it makes sense that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John weren't the only four people on the planet <laughs> to write about Jesus. Right. But it said many have undertaken this uh, to compile a narrative. And, uh, and he says, just as the original eyewitnesses and servants uh, have handed them down to us. So that means that there were a lot of people who wrote biographies and auto, uh, not autobiographies, that's if you wrote yourself, but uh, biographies <laughs> about Jesus' life and so forth, many gospels, if you want to think of it like that. But God uh, inspired under his, uh, under the Holy Spirit, there were four gospels mm-hmm. that he oversaw and uh, and that the church saw that the church saw that and I, I but I think it's really neat that he puts in the word that it seemed good to me since I have carefully investigated everything well, from the very yeah. first to write to you in an orderly sequence that uh, that he took very careful uh, and uh, and the uh, and he says. Um, in the New King James Version, he says, it seemed good to me also having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first. Mm-hmm. I think uh, that's what a, that he has that high confidence right, right. in the things that he's reading. And what Luke did, and, and you know, because the, the, the Gospels have to have some type of apostolic link in order to have that authoritative point. And what Luke did, because Luke was not one of the apostles. In fact, Luke wasn't even a Jew. He was a Gentile. But he went back and interviewed all the eyewitnesses, and so it is an apostolic. The apostolic link is is that he he got it from the apostles. We also believe that he just based on the writing he interviewed Mary, the mother of Jesus, because he has some very intimate details that mm-hmm. she would have known yeah. and so forth. But that was what he he took it upon himself to do. To while these people were still alive, and while the stories are still fresh in their mind, to go and get an orderly sequence. And God, and you can see God's hand working upon it. That's why it's such a powerful right, gospel, right? Because the details. Are amazing, yeah. And uh, I remember and clear and clear, very yeah. clear. And uh, I remember being in uh, in in North Africa on a mission journey, and we had some Sudanese refu- refugees who were Muslim background, but they were reading the Gospel of Luke and just were amazed that right. there was a story that existed about Jesus mm-hmm. um, because they had never heard of such a, a book and so forth. And they they kept saying, "Can we keep this?" And we're like, 
Yeah. Yeah, you can. You <laughs> of can course have you it. can. Absolutely. Take it home with you. Yeah. Well, I'm also in the book of Luke, um, and I'm specifically in Luke 2, but I'm going to be bouncing around the whole Bible. Um, Luke 2 is the birth of Jesus. This is a, the Christmas story that we're all well aware of, um, and I'm going to be in specifically verse 10 and 11, and it says this, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And wow, verse 10, just by us, I mean, I just love these verses. Verse 10 says, for all the people. Mm. Already, before Jesus is even here, we're, we're seeing again the confirmation that it's not just for the Israels, but it, it's for the sojourners. It's for the people outside of Israel. It's for all people, not just mm. for Israel. And that's beautiful in itself. And that means it's for the Gentiles. And we see we see Jesus um, after he ministers to the Israelites and after they reject him, he goes to the Gentiles. And then Paul is for the Gentiles. And we're Gentiles, the both of us on this podcast. <laughs> uh, and so we're thankful that, 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 that he's coming for all the people and not just for Israel. And that's... Mm incredible by itself, but um, I'm going to be focusing mainly on verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So what is he talking about here? Um, It's about the Davidic covenant, um, which is in 2 Samuel 7. Um, And since then, it's been about 960 to about 1,030 years that the Davidic covenant has been spoken, and Israel... um, has been waiting for this savior, this the seed of David who was coming to um, rule justly and righteously. And um, so they've been waiting for almost a thousand years, mm. if not over a thousand years. Um, and so what does 2 Samuel say? What is in this Davidic covenant? Well, in short, um, 2 Samuel 7, 12 through 13 says, when your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall be... He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. And so God is talking to David here, um, King David. And so um, what do we see here in verse 11? Verse 11, for unto you is born this day in the city of David. Well, why is that important, the city of David? Well, um, Mary and Joseph have come back to their hometown, um, which is uh Bethlehem, which is the city of David. And why is that important? Well, you go back to your hometown because that's where your family's from. So we see that they're in the line of David, which is really important. Um, So they're in the city of David. Um, And then... We keep going on, um, and we see that um, this is city of David, a savior. So we see that that he's this this coming savior that that's been talked about since Genesis three fifteen, uh, and then who is Christ? Uh, and why is this word Christ important? Well, Christ means the anointed one or the chosen one, um, which means that he was consecrated or called by God, just like the Levites. And why is that important? Well, the Levites were these high priests; they were chosen by God um, to. To, to to talk to God um, and that that is just really incredible so he's our high priest is what they're hearing and then finally he ends it with uh, Christ the Lord um, and what does Lord mean well Lord means he who is the master of a person of thing or person or thing um, and if we know John John one he was in the beginning he created um, everything was created through him and for him and so we see here that Jesus this person being born uh, in Bethlehem is the master of of all creation and of all humanity and he's bringing salvation to all people and that wow i mean i 
that is just good. I mean, mm. it's so beautiful and perfect. And it has been long awaited for thousands of years, um, for thousands of years before and thousands of years to come. And we're still talking about it to this day, these incredible words of, of that he's coming. And in Second Samuel 7 says, I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Mm. And so these words of hope are not only for the, for the shepherds who heard it here in this field, um, but it's for everyone forever and ever and ever. And that just the... The magnitude of that this week just hit me, um, just realizing this that Jesus is the fulfillment of every covenant. Um, it's just incredible. Yeah. And, you know, I, one of the things I, I like about reading through the Bible is we save this passage for December. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it really is not a December passage. It is It is just a, a – it, it's sometimes we connect um, the birth of Jesus with the Christmas holiday so mm-hmm. intensely we forget that it, in the in, – the order of life that God gives or in his revelation, it wasn't like that at all. It wasn't like, mm-hmm. here's a special time of year, right, a special right. holiday. This was just life existing yeah. for all these people. Yeah. They're just, uh, this is what, and it's actually pro, more true to life that it would be about this time right. of year where, right. where these kind of events happen. So we, we get this kind of iconic, there's snow and, mm-hmm. and, and presents and Santa and all these things. But, <laughs> but the, but the idea is, is that people were just living life yeah. and, uh, and, and, but in God's perfect time in his perfect way. And, and that's the way him coming again is going to be. Yeah. It's just going to be everybody is just yep. living life, and then boom, yeah. um, he shows up. They weren't expecting it that night, Mm-mm. and uh, and we won't, uh, many won't be expecting it when he comes again. Yeah. But so cool, it's cool, sweet, 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 sweet. All right, I got something else from Proverbs chapter twelve. Okay, um, and in Proverbs, if you if you do the Bible reading that we're doing. Uh, and it's on our website at fbcj.us. If you, when you when you go through it, you'll realize that it, it has a passage from the Old Testament, uh, a psalm, a proverb, a, pa- a portion of psalms, a portion of proverbs, and then uh, and then the New Testament. Well, there's only 31 chapters in Proverbs, so to stretch that out over 365 readings, <laughs> uh, you have to uh, you get sometimes you get little snippets. Well, Proverbs works like that, and the reason why I like the Bible reading is because if you're reading through the Bible and you read through the whole book of Proverbs and you know in the sequence of like any other book, uh, you don't have time to meditate upon right. each of those different things that are being said. So that's one of the reasons I appreciate the reading. And this is just three verses. So uh, it says, um, the wicked desire what evil people have caught. Um, but the root of the, well, let me back up one. The verse 11 says, the one who works his land will have plenty of food, but whoever chases fantasies lacks sense. <laughs> the wicked desire what evil people have caught, but the root of the righteous is productive. By rebellious speech, an evil person is trapped, but a righteous person escapes from trouble. A person will be satisfied with good by the fruit of his mouth, and the work of a person's hands will reward him. Um, the um, the theme here that uh, that he's talking about is that that especially in the verse where he says, "The wicked desire what evil people have caught," and mm-hmm. uh, when we when we are desiring that which is gained by evil means then we are acting as evil as the person who got it in the first place. And, and this is why I, I look at things that, uh, you know, we talk about playing the lottery and, and things like uh, like that and so forth. And uh, and and I and I I've seen people say, well, if this guy won a million, there's a guy that won a, several a lot of money at a dog track or whatever, and he offered it to the church, and people were like, well, you know, they were watching to see if the church would take mm-hmm. it or whatever, yeah, and so forth. 
And and the, of course the guy at the church is like, well, I better take it and, and use it for God's purposes than for uh, evil purposes. But uh, but here's the here's the thing we always need to think is that uh, we it's it's whether you want what they have. You know, when when what people want to see is is that you when we judge people or, or look at people and say, well, he's doing that, he's cheating or he's doing things wrong and he's getting getting whatever he's getting. When you want what they want, all you're saying is, is I, I desire that. I'm just not – I'm too afraid to, to do the sin that he's doing in order to get it. But yeah. I still want what he wants. Well, that's, that puts us in the same place as the wicked person. Uh, mm. Maybe we're just more of a coward and afraid to do the thing right. which is wrong. Because God is saying, just trust me. Look to me. If, if you're doing what – if you're following me and walking with me, then I'm blessing you. Right. And, and you're he – says, he says that the root of the righteous is productive, meaning that, uh, that the things that we plant grow. And, right. and the things that we have uh, have planted continue to grow and continue to produce uh, uh, the, because of God's blessing. And if for whatever reason they're not growing or not blessing, one of two things is possible. One is is that God is teaching us something through it. He's disciplining. Either he is teaching us instructively or he's disciplining us, meaning chastising us as a result of what we're not doing. You know, Jesus used the example that when the vine dresser comes and he looks at the branches and uh, and uh, and he and the branches aren't producing fruit. Uh, if they're dead, he just cuts them away and throws them into the fire. But uh, but it but if they're just simply not producing, he'll take them gently and clean them off or whatever, and and bring them up to get them to produce because the that's what the vine dresser does. He's always looking at how we can produce more fruit. But mm-hmm. it is in this relationship, understanding that the source of that fruit comes from God. And that's, you know, not to make a big speech about the lottery or anything, but here's here's my problem with the lottery. Is the lottery, to to play the lottery, you have to have the mind. This is what you would have to come, what you would have to believe. You would have to believe that God, in his sovereignty, has decided that he wants, <laughs> through a system of chance, to provide for you and your family through this 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 gambling right. uh, device that he's created in your state, which... Uh, there's there's nowhere that God would do that. I mean, there's no reason to think that God would, you know, people say, well, what if I don't buy the lottery ticket? You still desire right. what the lottery gives. And here, and then ask yourself this question. Do people who win the lottery, are their lives really better than people mm-hmm. who don't win the lottery? Right. I mean, is people who have $50 million, are their lives better than people who don't have $50 million? Money doesn't, we say this, money doesn't make us happy. So when we desire that which the wicked are cheating or or killing or doing whatever right. they're doing to acquire when we want that it puts us in that seat of wickedness also because God says and this goes back to the desires of heart when we yeah. delight ourselves in him he gives us the desires of our heart yeah. and so uh, you don't the message that you want to say to people because it's a powerful witness is to say I don't need the lottery because I have everything right yeah I, I don't and I don't need, need anything I else. don't need anything it's right. right God if I need it God will provide it 
for me. And uh, we used to have a store in our town that used to a little general store, and the owner would say, and it was crazy the things they had inside this store inside this little town of less than 100 people. Uh, they would say, uh, you know, if if we don't have it, we, so we have everything, and if we don't have it, we'll get it, and if we can get it, you don't need it. Right, 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 <laughs> and, right. Uh, and and they were actually true in that. But God is so much. I'm not saying God's like the owner of a general store, but still, it's the same principle. If if uh, if you don't have it and you need it, God will give it to you. Yeah. And if God won't give it to you, then you don't need it. Right. Yeah, so, that's true. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I'm in Luke 1. I'm just backing up just to Still give a – I know. Yeah. Luke is so good. Um, <clears throat> it's a little bit of a fact. It's actually just really mind-blowing, and I wish I knew all the details behind it, but I don't, sadly. Um, so when I visited Wisconsin to visit my school for the first time, I got to sit in on one of the Gospels class, which is I'm currently taking right now, which is cool. But there was this kid who raised his hand to talk about this passage. It's Luke 1, 8, 9, and it says, Now while he was serving as a priest, this is Zechariah, um, which is John the Baptist's father, um, serving as a priest before God when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. So he's entering the temple, which is this holy place, um, which is very low chance of him getting chosen for this to be in this same position. And this angel is about to come and talk to him and give him prophecy about his son that is coming. Mm. Um, so he, this kid who I wish I knew his name. I wish I even knew him. I met him for one day. I was just in this class. He raised his hand and told the professor, he was like, um, I got bored. So I did the math on this. Like what was the probability of Zechariah being chosen for this burning of the incense it's a 0.025 percent chance wow for zechariah to be chosen to enter the temple to burn incense in this certain place um on this certain day like right. it's very low um and when he did it i mean he was chosen by lot i mean it was just yeah. by chance yeah and well not by chance yeah. it was by god's sovereignty exactly. yeah. however when, when he enters in, this angel comes and he tells him this prophecy that, hey, you're going to have an Elizabeth. And Elizabeth was barren. She was empty uh, and and was unable to have a child. Um, and what did God do? He said the same thing that he told Sarah and Abraham. I'm going to give you a son. And this son is going to come before the Lord. He's going to be this Elijah um, before before the coming of the Messiah. And so Zechariah doesn't believe him. <laughs> and then he goes mute. And it's this crazy story. But it all hinges on this probability of 0.025% chance of being chosen to burn incense in the temple, right. which is just crazy. And it's like, wow. Wow, historical context is important. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Speaking of gambling, yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> what right. a chance! Well, yeah. that's you know, and and the they used the the priest used the urim and the thummim to make decisions and so forth. And we really don't know what the urim and the thummim are, but something akin to dice mm-hmm. and so forth. And people, uh, and but the the thing that you have to we we always have to remember is is that God was using what we think is chance. Is God right. is God's divine guidance yeah. and so forth. So he uh, he gave them this to say, 
Um, when you can't see it clearly on your own, then mm-hmm. you, whatever you throw down, that's going to be that. Yeah. But they were trusting that God was the one who was guiding that direction. So Yeah, and, um, and he was the only one in the temple, yeah. which is, the, he comes out mute, and they're like, he's seen a ghost. Like, what happened? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And he can't say anything. And then the yeah. minute John is born, and he, his voice he says, back, yeah. his, his voice this comes is John. back. Yeah. yeah, and it's it's such a cool story that people just skip over in Luke. Like His name will be John. It's so cool. I know. Oh, my goodness. And, uh, yeah, and they were all because they were going to name him after his dad yeah they said apparently yeah. obviously he wouldn't be named after his dad but um <laughs> oh my oh well and uh yeah so cool uh awesome the story of john the baptist but uh we are going to come back and uh, and deal with a couple of questions and uh and then we'll be done And we're back again. We are without Daniel this week. If you were listening, thinking, "Why haven't I heard Daniel talk?" He is out with illness this week. So. He got another job. No, <laughs> <laughs> he was dressed very well Sunday. He, was. Uh, yeah. he told me, "I was like, why did you dress up?" And he was like, "Well, the church I'm interviewing for is coming to watch me." And I was like, "Oh, <laughs> he's the okay. same thing on me." And I, and I, sometimes you wonder you <laughs> if know, he's some, being serious. Yeah, he's, we did have like, a lot of visitors. It was, it was on like, Sunday. <laughs> you know, I told you straight up, and you didn't believe me. But anyway, I think he's just doing the boy who cried we'll wolf see. just for that. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, we're going to do with a couple of questions. Josh, throw a question out to us. Okay. Um, I have a question. Mm. It's in Deuteronomy 7, 1. And this is kind of like a just a big Bible question, but mm-hmm. it just came up here and I just wanted to address it because I still don't know. But okay. Deuteronomy 7, 1 says, When the Lord your God brings you into the land that you're entering to take possession of it and clears the way many nations before you, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, seven nations more numerous and mightier than you. And then he goes on. But we hear about these ites all the time, <laughs> like throughout <laughs> the right. whole Old Testament. That's Who right. are they? Why are they important? What's going on with them? Are yeah. they evil? I, I just don't know. I don't well, know. the ite ending is the uh, – it just means the inhabitants thereof. And each of these has a past um, a connection with uh, people that we've already learned about it in the book of Genesis. When you're reading through the book of Genesis, those stories are there by for, uh, on purpose. For instance, when you hear about um, – uh, Lot and then Lot having uh, his daughters having unspeakable mm-hmm. acts with him, and these people are produced uh, out from that and so forth. And so they're going to become these nations later. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, the Canaanites are literally from um, Noah and uh, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham, uh, Ham's son's name is Canaan. And so, uh, so these these are people who are born outside of. This uh, out of out of the line that is going to produce Abraham, and um, and so uh, we are given their beginnings in Genesis to show because you get, always remember that all these five all five of these books are given uh, by Moses, so he's writing them from the historical perspective of while they're in the wilderness, he's looking back. So when he's telling the story of Genesis and so forth, it's not like these things are being written down as they're happening. He There's an oral tradition that he is taking and then putting it down uh, into books. And there and there may have been some writing, but most of the writing would have been uh, through Moses because he is from Egypt, would have known how to write, would know how to record things on papyrus, create scrolls, and those kind of things. So, uh, so now you have everything being recorded 
uh, officially for the first time under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, obviously. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so Moses has, but within the framework of going th- all through Genesis, you're kind of getting the origin story of these different nations. They are all brought under uh, God's judgment. And and that's the, the main thing is that he's identifying these people and saying these people not only have to be pushed out of Canaan, but have to be destroyed. And, uh, and it, it seems harsh there. And this is something people struggle with. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess the, probably the greater question is, is why is God killing all these people, right. men, women, and children? And, uh, and if you think about the end of time, we seem to be, at least as the church, I'm sure the world doesn't share share our same understanding. <laughs> as as we we think about it, uh, wrath uh, and God's judgment kind of. I mean, think about uh, the fact that He is going to cast people into hell for all eternity. Yeah. Uh, when you realize that uh, people suffering in, in Canaan is not, um, <laughs> uh, I mean, Him yeah. using these people to wipe them out, and and, and He says uh, this is. I'm anybody. I mean, I've, he's already done it. He already threw when the flood occurred. Guess who yeah. died? Everybody died. Uh, men, women, and children. And so now he's using Israel as a tool of destruction uh, to carry out his wrath because these people have become idolatrous, uh, adulterous in their behavior, have rejected God as their God, have turned after false gods, and he is trying to create a pure and a holy people. Mm-hmm. And in doing yeah. that, they can't intermarry with these other people. Yep. So he's saying, these are the people you cannot intermarry with. And and the names to the people reading this in his time would have a direct connection yeah. with the lineage of the people that they've been right, told right. Uh, come from these bad backgrounds. And uh, and so there's always an origin story uh, yeah. with a group of people. That's why when you look at other religions – um, they're going to have a different origin story. Their origin story is not going to put them in such a negative light. Uh, we are reading the story of, and, th- and that would be, one has to ask. Uh, obviously, they're going to say these people are bad and we're good. Yeah. Uh, but if you read the whole book, it says even when we turned bad, mm-hmm. God didn't judge us. Yeah, right. So it doesn't, it's not, right. doesn't have a, uh, we always do everything right and they always do everything wrong. No, it, it paints a pretty right. negative picture for the Israelites yeah. as well. Yeah. Uh, the only person in all the Bible who gets a clean slate all the way through is Jesus. Yeah. And, uh, and so, um, uh, yeah, and so the good news is, if we are descendants of the Gergeshites, if any survived, uh, now there is a plan of redemption for them as well. So. That's really cool. Yeah. Yep. Yes, but um, yeah, they weren't supposed to make any treaty. They weren't supposed to show any mercy. Not supposed to whatever. And then they did. Yeah. They messed it up, and and then wound up intermarrying. When the Assyrians took over uh, Israel, when they were being judged, and God empowered the Assyrians to do to Israel what Israel had done to these other places, one of the things the Assyrians did was they forced them to intermarry mm-hmm. uh, and wow. uh, to destroy their cultural heritage and so forth, which is really diabolical. But that was part of God's judgment as well. I was thinking, sorry, just real quick on judgment. Um, yeah. I was <laughs> real saw quick. this, uh, yeah, this illustration about about mm-hmm. why. Why humans think judgment is bad, um, but we had to think about it in a different way. And so he's talking about, okay, just imagine this guy murdered 30 kids and five pregnant women. Mm-hmm. The judge sends him to prison. We would all agree that that was good. Like right. that that man needed to go to prison because he did something bad. Right. Well, this is how judgment on non-believers are, on, on people who don't repent and believe right. in their sin. We don't see it as this is evil. God's like, he's 
ruining these people's lives. No, he's judging them. He's right. doing the same thing that a judge would do to a murderer. He, right. This is good in the eyes of the Lord right. because – He has to judge them. Yeah, he, he is has right to. to. Yeah, and so I, I think when I heard that, that changed my view on judgment and how to explain – yeah. Explain that. So. And and when you understand the the standard is holiness. Yeah. Uh, not perfection. And perfection. Uh, we all say, well, nobody's perfect and nobody's yeah. holy. That's w- the fact that nobody's perfect and nobody's <laughs> holy is the reason why we are all under God's judgment. Yeah, exactly. That there is none righteous, no, not one, and we all funder, fall under the, the judgment of God. He at least provided a means of sanctification yeah. to the Israelites through the sacrificial system in order to appease his wrath. So that he wouldn't destroy them. Same same way when he was during Passover, yeah. which we're celebrating this time of year, yeah. he was appeasing his wrath uh, on the Egyptians and saying, "If you'll cover your house with this blood, then uh, the angel of death will pass over you." Um, my grandkids were asking that: How could God have a death angel? Mm. You know, it is a tough thing it's to a understand. Hard question. But it is it's an understanding that uh, Adam. It goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. He told him. Because of what you've done, now you're going to have to die. Right. In fact, everybody's going to have to die as a result of what you've done. It, it was a, If you want to really ask the question, uh, is why didn't he just kill Adam and Eve right then in all creation and be done with it? But the answer is, is because he saw you. He mm-hmm. saw you in the future being born, and he desired to save you so that you he could have fellowship with you, have a relationship with you for all eternity. Mm-hmm. And so he everything that's happened, that he's allowed to happen, he's allowed to happen just to get you here so that you would have the opportunity to mm-hmm. be offered a plan of yeah. redemption. So That's so cool. Yeah. So uh, that kind of goes with um, a passage in, uh, in 15. Somebody was asking me about uh, this. It says, uh, if your fellow Hebrew uh, or man or woman is sold to you and serves six years, uh, you must set him free in the seventh year. When you set him free, do not send him away empty-handed. Give generously to him from your flock, your threshing floor, and your wine press. You are to give him whatever the Lord your God has blessed you with. Remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord God redeemed you. That is why I'm giving you this command today. But if your slave says to you, I don't want to leave you because he loves you and your family and is well off with you, take an awl and pierce through his ear into the door and he will become your slave for life. Also treat your female slave the same way. Um, and so he gave an option to people, uh, and, and it's hard for us to understand, but but just kind of understand it this way. Uh, if you were, uh, if, if there were an act of whatever, and life happens, and you can't survive based on whatever lack of skills or skills you have, and so you enter into this work of servitude, for, and you've served six years, and now you are to be released because that's what the law says. But you say, but you realize that if you leave, you work for if you work for a really generous master and your life is really good yeah. in that role, you may not want to leave. You may think my life would be much more. I'm, I could starve to death if right. I leave, or I or I'm going to give up all the niceties that I have in this world. So uh, I want to stay here. And 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 at the same time, God offering this gives us a picture of our relationship with Him. It is, uh, we are literally, as Paul says, slaves of Christ. We are mm-hmm. given the option to keep him as our master right. because we realize I would be better off serving under his lordship than uh, than to be off on my own uh, and dealing with my own salvation. What the, the, I think the amazing part about this is, is that we have... Um, that we have, uh, that's why the poor and the those who are afflicted, those who hate the lives that they have, 
the gospel is so right. much more appealing. Yeah. Because you're like, I will take that offer right. uh, rather than the one that I have. And uh, I think the sad part, the sad statement in our society today is we are turning uh, everywhere but to God yeah. uh, for that. We 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 sometimes idolize independence, mm-hmm. and and because we do that, we have a hard time understanding the concept of submission uh, to God. Uh, and, uh, but, uh, that's, that's something we each have to work through. But, but the, but the, yeah, the point was, is that, yes, there was, um, not that slavery was good because the question was, is why would anybody do that? Why would anybody stay mm-hmm. a slave? Well, it, there, there are situations where sometimes there were a lot worse scenarios than being, continuing to be a slave under somebody's lordship. So it's really cool. Yeah. Really cool. So anyway, that does it for us today. We're yeah. so glad that you got to be a part of the Understanding Jesus podcast with us. And uh, and if you are not, uh, if you do not have a church home, we want to invite you to come be a part of our church here at First Baptist Jackson here on 212 South High Street. Um, and uh, we have a great time. Every week, 930, services at 930 and 11. I want to remind you, we also have a, uh, a, a our sermons are released on the same place that you find our podcast, Understand Jesus podcast. are also sermons that you can listen to as well um, and if you want to watch it live on Sunday mornings it's on at 9.30 and that is then on Facebook and also YouTube you can subscribe to the First Baptist Jackson First Baptist Church of Jackson Missouri YouTube Whatever channel I don't know I don't know exactly what it's called <laughs> but uh, just Google that FBCJ live stream somebody on YouTube and you'll find it uh, but anyway uh, there's all kinds of ways we try to get the word of God to you so anyway we'll hope to see you next week Thanks again for listening to the Understanding Jesus podcast. If you would like more information on Understanding Jesus or First Baptist Church of Jackson or would just like to submit a question or comment, then you can call the church office at 573-243-8415 or you can email us at office at fbcj.us. Thanks so much. We'll see you soon.